Thank you for that beautiful song. Take your Bibles this morning, turn to the book of Galatians, and uh, while you're doing there, uh, so many things I'd like to say. It kind of feels like you just want to visit the first few days of chapel, and yet we need the preaching of God's Word, but let me welcome you once again uh, to West Coast Baptist College. And let me tell you about the song we just heard. I never heard that song before, uh, but uh, it, was, it was beautiful, it was passionate, and it shows that you can sing with tremendous vibrancy. And, and exaltation to Jesus Christ without having some long-haired freaky guy playing some weird instrument and, you know, earrings and all that. And uh, i tell you what, uh, I, I was just blessed by that. So uh, thank the Lord for it. And I was telling our staff just, just a few weeks ago that one of the goals we have in our church is, is to have passionate, vibrant singing. And that can be Amazing Grace or it can be a newer song. It can be a lot of things. I, I really believe that, uh, that even unsafe people need to see that we're serious about worshiping our God. And uh, so never, never hold back when it comes to singing out or saying amen or enjoying worship because uh, we ought to be excited about the Holy Lamb of God that was slain for our sin. And so thank you for the time of practicing and, and giving that to us. I do want to just say that uh, as you're getting assigned into ministries and you're going to be coming alongside the members of Lancaster Baptist, I want to just encourage every one of you these next few weeks when you have these interactions, would you please just stop and introduce yourself to our church family? Tell them your name, tell them, you know, what your year in school is, if you're a freshman, where you're from. They want to know you. They want, they're looking forward to serving Christ with you. And then, of course, uh, a lot of times in the evening services, we have the students in the balcony and so forth. But uh, wherever you sit, normally you have college seating, I think to the right and the left, Brother Getch. And, but wherever it is, just always give deference to the people that uh, are in that area as far as seating and if they want to sit somewhere, if they're, uh, you know, saving the seats, whatever, just give deference to them. But but don't just know the college students while you're here. Get to know the church family, too, and greet them and, and uh, fellowship with them. Uh, many of our church members give a tithe. They give to missions. They give to the building program, and they support West Coast Baptist College every single week. Some of them are giving uh, incredible percentages of their income because they believe in the Great Commission, and they believe that you're going to be a big part of that Great Commission. So we want to thank them, and we want to encourage them. A couple quick announcements that I wanted to personally make. By the way, welcome, Brother Montano. Uh, I, I've been wanting to write you a letter, but I preached for Brother Montano this spring, and I was going through a lot of different things, just a heavy season, lots of work going on, and and. And uh, I've, I went down to Hermosillo, Mexico to be with Brother Montano, and it just lifted my spirits. I've thought about it all summer long. And what a blessing for me to have one of our graduates who actually ministered to me. I don't know if you knew how much, but just to be there with him and uh, to preach and to see in this city of a million or so, uh, right downtown, this, this building that's been cleaned up and to meet these people and to meet a man who was uh, a professor at the college and was an atheist, but now he's been saved. And I met a lady who was a prostitute uh, who got saved at this church, and now she's a young mother and growing a family in Jesus. That's why we started West Coast Baptist College, so that you guys would go out and do something like this. And Brother Montano spoke about how he struggled. How many of you got encouragement by that? Did you get encouragement by someone who was in bonehead English twice? Very good. And uh, what he didn't tell you is he graduated with honors. And when he stood before our deacons for his ordination, no one has ever answered the questions with the eloquence of Brother Luis Montano. He answered in English, Spanish, Greek, and Hebrew, <laughs> and did a great job. And I just share that with you because uh, if you'll work and pray, 
uh, you'll get through, and God will bless you. So thank you, Brother Montano. A couple quick announcements I wanted to mention to you. Uh, I want to mention, how many of you uh, know a friend who's in the military right now? Maybe they're out in the military somewhere. Let me see your hands, all right? I want you to know that we're just days away, perhaps a few weeks away from getting our GI Bill at West Coast Baptist College, and I'm asking the Lord to bring in a whole harvest of young people, because a lot of young people kind of go to the military, they'll get into a military church, they get called to preach, and for years, we haven't been able to offer them a benefit that's really theirs, and that's their earned uh, GI Bill. So if you know someone in the military uh, that... uh, is looking to serve God, let them know that uh, they'll be able, perhaps this next semester for sure next year, to come in with the full GI Bill benefit, and uh, we're excited about that, and I just wanted to mention that. The other thing I want to mention, I'll let Dr. Getch have the official meetings and all of the parameters involved and perhaps class credit, but we are excited about the Spiritual Leadership Asia Conference. This is a biannual conference that our church helps to host over in Manila, and last time we had this, we had over 6,000 people in the evening services, and it was a great privilege uh, to take a bunch of West Coast students, and we did a lot of soul winning, and uh, they were able to preach, and they were able to participate, a moving of God in the 1040 window, and uh, so we're excited about this, and when Dr. Getch has the meeting, be sure to get plugged in. You'll need to really honestly be able financially and academically to qualify, and if it's if it's not the time, then it's not the time. We're going to do this. There's, there's going to be lots of missions opportunities this summer. We're going to have other opportunities next spring. And, and again, uh, the following year for Asia. But we would love for you to have a part in this. We have tickets right now on Philippine Air for just $700 out of LA round trip, which is kind of amazing. And so uh, we're going to uh, be watching those and communicating with Dr. Getch. But if you're missions minded, and really we all should be missions minded, even if you're not called to missions, uh, every one of us should be uh, involved in giving to missions. And this is something I'd love to see you all be a part of. So I wanted to mention that to you this morning. Well, let's stand together, please. And as we're standing, we're turning to Galatians chapter 4. And uh, wasn't Brother Willett a blessing to us uh, the last few days? And you kind of have to listen fast to him. And uh, you kind of have to, because sometimes he'll start talking about Calvinism or telling some joke. And you're going, what is, what, what is? And then all of a sudden, boom, he comes right back uh, to what you need to hear. And uh, I've, I've enjoyed his messages over the years. And I hope that you enjoyed his messages too. And uh, he's a great blessing to me and a tremendous friend. Galatians 4, and I want to read today uh, just two verses for our scripture reading, and then we'll go right into our message. Galatians uh, chapter 4, verse 19. My little children, of whom I travail in birth again, until Christ be formed in you. I desire to be present with you now, and to change my voice for I stand in doubt of you. Aren't those interesting verses? Let's read them together, shall we? Verses 19 and 20. Ready, begin. My little children, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. I desire to be with you now and to change my voice, for I stand in doubt of you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the students and for the wonderful spirit in chapel this morning. Help me and fill me with your spirit. May this message give an understanding, perhaps to that new student like Brother Montano, who's, who's here from the East or the Midwest, and just hearing rules and preaching and getting around Christian culture and maybe feeling like, wow, uh, I don't know. May they realize it's not about comparing themselves to others but it's about growing in Christ this semester. 
And I pray and ask this in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I'd like to share with you this morning, I suppose what I would call more of my pastor's heart. A little bit of the heart that I would have not only for our church, but also for our student body. My desire as a pastor goes much beyond just the simplicities of buildings and programs and things of this nature. It's a privilege to see those things accomplished. But really, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 3 and 2, ye are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. The goal of ministry is not the program or the buildings, it's the individual members that are maturing in Christ or the individual college students that are growing in Christ, you will become the epistle that is read concerning Jesus Christ or even concerning West Coast Baptist College. What people will know about West Coast a few years from now is not what we put on the website or mail to someone's home, but what you are doing with your lives and really what people know about Lancaster Baptist Church over the long run is not going to be that we built a lot of buildings on the east side of Lancaster, but it is going to be seen in the way that our members live their lives all throughout the community. So we have a bunch of guys in our church that get together on Wednesday morning for breakfast, and they always say, um, can, can you come have breakfast with us? And, and lots of times it's hard for my schedule, and, and uh, I love those guys. There's a bunch of them. That I think of Brother Jamie Tanner, whose son uh, went home to be with the Lord uh, this, this last spring, and we had his funeral service here, and his wife, Jessie, is one of our graduates. And, and uh, Brother Tanner, he, he kind of has this breakfast with the guys, and Brother Lofgren, and just a bunch of good guys were there. And, and you know, I walked in there, it was just a minute late, and I came in, and one of our men, Brother Ron Campbell, big, deep voice, retired aerospace worker, he was given a devotion. And he was given a devotion on the name of Jesus Christ. And there's about 50 other people in the restaurant. And I walked in there, and there, there's about 20 of our guys, and Ron was going, men, there's none other name given under heaven, given amongst men, whereby we must be saved. It's the name of Jesus Christ. And he was preaching to those men and he was sharing the truth. And I got to tell you something. My heart was so encouraged to see men who were not ashamed of Jesus in the public place, encouraging one another in the Lord. Those are walking billboards for Jesus and for the Lancaster Baptist Church. How are you going to look for Jesus when you go to the mall? How are you going to look for Jesus when you're out and about in Lancaster. And you should not be concerned about the mere fact that you will be seen. You, you'll be seen. Uh, there's there's 9,000 members of this church and you're gonna wear a dress and have a haircut. You're gonna stand out no matter how cool you try to look, no matter how many backward ball caps and sunglasses you try to put on, they're gonna know you're from West Coast. But you don't wanna look good just because people see you, but because Jesus is in you because you're growing in Jesus Christ. Now, I, I'm interested, as I said, in just about everything around here, buildings, 
I mean, I spent 20 minutes today on the ball field and talking about how to keep the grass greener and where to build a new concession building and how to build a tower by the football uh, stadium area so that we could have, you know, people watching, videoing him. And uh, I'm interested in the grass around here. Believe it or not, it takes attention to keep it green. Our athletic director went to the ball field every morning at four o'clock all summer to keep the grass green for our student body. I'm interested in uh, getting trees planted. I'm interested in uh, the the, uh, administration office uh, project that will begin later this uh, this year and and uh, the new weight room and exercise facility that we want to get started and I'll be having a meeting today at one o'clock on all those kinds of things the development of the campus but more than all of that I'm interested in seeing Christ formed in you I'm interested in our school. We have a great school. I hope you'll go to some of our high school uh, football games. You'll enjoy that, CIF tackle football. Hang around our teenagers and get to know them and encourage them to serve God and get to know their names and don't date them. (laughs) <laughs> Let them have their high school time, all right? Do you want to you, you check them out? You want to date one of them next year? That's fine. But, 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 uh, but for right now, just be a mentor to them, all right? I love our school. I love our, our, our uh, student body. I've got grandkids over there who came and hugged me this morning. How good is that? It's wonderful. But more than the program of that school, I, I want to see Christ formed in the students. I love our college. I love everything about our college. I, I love our faculty. I, 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 I don't understand collegians, but Brother Shetler is excited, so I love it. I'm excited about it. I, <laughs> even the video confused me, but praise God. You know, I mean, I'm gonna, you know we're going to get it. Whatever it is, we're going to do it. I, I love West Coast Baptist College. I, I, I love the classes. I love the emphasis. And, but, but mostly what I'm concerned about here is seeing Christ formed in you. Dr. John R. Rice once said, the church needs people who, in listening to their pastor, listen for the message of Christ. And pastors who, while laboring amongst the people, are looking for the image of Christ. Who are looking for more than the bottom line financially they're looking to see jesus in the lives of their members now much of church ministry the last 20 or 30 years has been failing in this goal of christ likeness because they have succumbed to a philosophy sometimes known as the seeker philosophy that is to say that the modern day church has become obsessed with becoming like the world to reach the world, and that is a fallacy, for God has called us to be countercultural. He has called us to be distinct and different in this age. I love the song we heard because it was holy and clear and distinct and biblical and Christ-honoring and passionate, but it was not worldly. You do not have to look and act and sing like the world to reach the world. And, and when we adapt to this philosophy of how close can we get to the world, then, then many times what happens is the world doesn't see Christ in us. They just see more of the world in us. Now, I want you to notice what could become a pattern of ministry for some of you as you serve the Lord in church, a philosophy of ministry. And it's something that everyone formulates from 18 to 28 or so. People are formulating the philosophy. 
And in these passages before us, we have Paul's philosophy. And I want you to notice, first of all, the pattern of ministry, the pattern that he gives to us of ministry. Someone says, well, I came here to West Coast because Lancaster Baptist has a good pattern. And I think it's a wonderful pattern of soul winning, discipling, caring, preaching, teaching. But this church is not the pattern. Put that on the live stream, tell it to your home preacher. We do not believe that this is the almighty model church. Oh, Lancaster Baptist Church. It's a great church. I think it's one of the greatest churches in the world today. But this church is not the pattern for your life. The pattern for your life is Jesus Christ. Verse 19 says, My little children, of whom I travail in birth again, until Christ be formed in you. Here we see a Christ-centered pattern until Christ, not another person, not another institution, but Jesus Christ alone. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. You're going to find some of you are going to learn a little bit from Dr. Getz, and you're going to be like Dr. Getz in some ways, or like Dr. Shetler, or some like Dr. Rasmussen, or perhaps you'll learn a thing or two that I may try to teach. But ultimately, our goal is not to create little robots out of here that are like us. Our goal is that you would be more like Jesus when you graduate from this place. Or even hereunto, Peter said in 1 Peter 2, 21, even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow in his steps. Now listen right here very carefully. Because some of you need to get this. Standards and rules are not the goal. Jesus is the goal. Now look right here. We, we don't make any apology for having rules. Institutions, the church, the, the college in particular, you need to have certain guidelines. Some of them are for safety. Some of them are for legal liability. Some of them are just for uniformity concerning maybe lights out and concerning different things. Some of them are for testimony, dress, and so forth. And some of you, you've figured out, okay, they don't want my hair on my ears. I'll have it six feet tall on the top of my head. And we're going to help you with that. And there's you know, little things. We're, we're going to be helping to kind of shape and help you along the way. But that's, that's not the main target. The main target is just your heart. By the way, when you have a heart for God, when you're conforming to Jesus Christ and someone who's in spiritual authority in your life says, we want you to do this, it's no biggie. The goal, however, is not the standard or the rule. The goal is that you would become more like Jesus Christ. Christ is the center. A Christ-centered purpose is what we are after. And so we see a pattern. It's Jesus Christ. And we see a purpose in the church. Notice it says in verse 19, it says, until Christ be formed in you. 
Now, here we see a wonderful word, the word form. It speaks of a change in character and then in conduct. It speaks of, of morphing from one thing to another. For some of you, it means morphing from uh, perhaps a carnal Christian this summer into a spiritual life this fall. It means that you're going to be more like Jesus and less like the world, more like Jesus and less like a rock star, more like Jesus and, and less like the unsaved uh, athlete. You're going to be like Jesus. Listen, when our athletic teams get on the court, we expect you to be a Christian team. We expect you to not listen to the world's music all the way to the game or not walk on the court with some attitude or wear slippers like somebody that's, uh, uh, that, that's trying to figure life out. We expect that our team is going to reflect the fact that Jesus lives in you. Your life forming and forming and you're, you're being a new creature. And, and this is the goal of ministry is to see someone that over there at that restaurant, there were engineers and firemen and, and there were men that, that had landscape businesses and, and then all kinds of things. But what they were first and foremost was just men who loved Jesus Christ, you see. A Christ-centered purpose. Ephesians 4.13 says, until we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, that we be henceforth uh, no longer tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine and the cunning craftiness of those that are waiting to deceive us. You see, there's a pattern for ministry, and the pattern for ministry is Jesus Christ. Now look right here. If following Dr. Gatch and Learning from him helps you to follow Christ. That's not wrong. Sometimes people have said to me, I don't follow men. And you know, that, that sounds so spiritual, but you know what the Apostle Paul said on three different occasions in the New Testament under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? He said to the churches, follow me as I follow Christ. Now, you get out in a ministry someday, and you're involved, and the leader there suddenly becomes immoral, suddenly stands up, and he says, ah, we don't believe the King James Bible anymore, we don't believe the blood atonement anymore, whatever. He starts talking about, you know, I don't believe this or that. Uh, then you'll have, you'll have to step away from something that changes that way. But as long as the spiritual leaders are walking with God, and, and as long as they're teaching sound doctrine, then Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. It's not wrong to have modeling and mentoring in your life, but the goal of a spiritual mentor is to help you not become more like them, but to become more like him. Okay. So the pattern that we're seeking is Christ-likeness. Notice, secondly, the process in ministry. How do you get from being a freshman in college to becoming a man or woman of God in the form of Jesus Christ? Well, look at something in verse 19. It says, my little children of whom I travail in birth again. Now, without going into a ton of background, the Galatians were experiencing the interruption of their faith by a group of people called the Judaizers. The Judaizers were people who taught a works-based salvation. The Judaizers were coming in and taking these baby Christians and, and, and telling them, you know, Jesus is good, but you need Jesus plus this plus this. And, and it was continually interrupting ministry. By the way, be careful of anything that interrupts your growth in Jesus Christ. It might be worldliness. It might be, it might be many, many, many different things. But, but this is why he called them little children. He said, look, at, I, I've got to come to you again at the base elements of this. And, and he says, I, I want you to notice in verse 19, he says, my little children of whom I travail in birth again. Now, the process of ministry Letter A involves personal relationships. 
personal relationships. Disciples are made, not born. Salvation is the miracle of a moment. Discipleship is the process of a lifetime. So you are growing as disciples here at West Coast Baptist College. And this involves relationships. And it may be that there's a guy in the dorm that's been saved a while and he's a dorm leader and he's not going to be perfect, but there's something you can learn and he'll help you with something he's learned. And it might be someone like Brother Weaver who's been in the ministry 30 or 40 or 50 years or some of these other men and, 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 and you're going to have some relationships. And by the way, you ought to thank God you're surrounded by godly models and mentors. And, and here we see the relationship. He says, my little children. He, he speaks to them uh, in this way. He, he speaks to them as people that he loved very dearly. We think of this fact of discipleship as involving relationships. Jesus modeled this in his ministry. In Matthew 4 and 18, Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee saw two brethren. Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. And, and he said to them, follow me and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and they followed him. They followed Jesus for three and a half years and, and they had time with him and they asked questions and they watched him and they observed him and they became like him. Jesus taught them privately. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus took them to Caesarea Philippi. And there as they stood with the uh, Roman architecture and false gods in the wall behind them, Jesus asked them the question. He said, whom do you say, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, and some say that thou art Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But he said unto them, whom do you say that I am? I mean, this was their final examination Jesus Christ was spending his life with them, but he said, who do men say that I am? Well, they say you're this, they say you're this, but who do you say that I am? Sometimes we're going to ask you questions in the form of tests or in the form of walking up to you and saying, how's it going? How, how, how are you growing spiritually? What's going on? Why? Because uh, we are helping you along in the process. And Paul said uh, concerning these little children, he, he said, my little children, I desire to be present with you. He wanted to have that relationship with them. Now, it is the desire of the college administration and faculty to be with you. We want to see you in class, around the campus. We want to welcome your questions. But you must also have a desire to grow. And this is the relationship of discipleship. And in fact, Paul was concerned. Notice in verse 20, he says, I desire to be with you now and to change my voice. For I stand in doubt of you. How many of you can sense from that he was a little worried about them? He was a little worried about whether they really wanted his leadership. I stand in doubt of you. I had the privilege of counseling a couple of younger pastors yesterday going through some you know, unique situations. And this visitor to the church was a lesbian. And this guy in the church wanted to have you know, something said in the announcements that he didn't want said. And how do you do? And, and it's, it's a blessing to talk to men in ministry who have a teachable spirit because you don't doubt their sincerity. But Paul said, I'm sort of doubting. Can I just challenge you this first week of college? Don't leave us in doubt. Be the type of student that 
when your name is mentioned, the administration knows, yeah, that, that's a good student. He, he, wants to, he wants to learn. He asks good questions. He's got a good attitude. There's no doubt. He, he's he's doing, a, doing a good job. Don't be the kind of one that always is, you know, ditching this and that and slouching down and never looking you in the eye. And you just kind of always, that student always leaves you in doubt. Is he serious? Is he here at West Coast seriously wanting to know God? And does he want to use his life for God or... You know, I just kind of have some doubt about what's going on in his life. Paul said, I've got some doubts here. Try, try to live above that doubt level. Personal relationships. But then notice what else Paul needed with them. He needed to know them, but also, secondly, it involved a practical labor. Now, I want you to see this in verse 19. Super important for those of you that are going to be in ministry, and I hope that's every one of us. Notice verse 19. My little children, notice this now, of whom I travail in birth again. So here we see the labor of ministry. He says, I'm travailing again. I'm travailing and travailing and working, and I'm teaching English, then I'm going to teach bonehead English. But I'm not going to give up until you can speak enough English to preach the Word of God. I'm going to travail. And I don't know how to tell you this. Not everybody that gets saved just becomes Dr. Getch the next day. Not everybody on your bus just becomes a Bible college student the next day. Somebody has got to travail with them in order they might make it for Jesus Christ. Paul said, I'm, I want a relationship with you because... Because I, I want to travail. How do you travail with people? We're going to travail in four ways quickly. Number one, we're going to travail in the Word of God. If a man desire the office of the bishop, he desireth a good work, and that work is biblical, doctrinal. These, these teachers have been travailing this summer, getting ready to teach you principles from the Word of God. They've been travailing. Now they're going to travail with you. We're going to travail, secondly, in preaching. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2. Preach the Word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Look at We're going to have chapel every day of the week, and we're going to travail in the Word. You say, boy, sometimes I'm tired. Sometimes I have a final. Look at We're going to travail in study. Guest preachers are going to travail. They're going to travail in preaching and we want you to travail in listening we want you to try to get out of it and sometimes look at look at right here sometimes we're going to reprove that means to make you aware of something that's wrong sometimes we're going to rebuke that means the bible tries to help us set it right and 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 we're going to sometimes we're going to in the matter of reproving and rebuking uh, it's going to be something that is done in a way that is is to exhort you with long suffering we're going to be patient with you and we're going to give you doctrine we're going to help you know what is right and what is wrong from the word of god and some people say well i like that exhortation part reprove rebuke and exhort brother chapel would you just exhort me because sometimes i just need somebody to show me the love and you're going to have that sometimes some of you are wondering what your gift is when you walk out today. And, and, and I don't want to disappoint you because I can't remember what it is. So. <laughs> Some messages you're going to have in this chapel, and it's going to be something about wait on the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And some messages you're going to need an asbestos suit to avoid the heat, it's going to be direct. But understand this, every message is to help you conform to the image of Jesus Christ. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering. You see, it's going to take 
Bible study, and it's going to take preaching, and it's going to take travailing in trials. Sometimes you're going to grow through trials. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1, 6, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness uh, through manifold temptations, learning how to travail in trials. You know, I'll just, I'll be straight up with you. Sometimes when I was in Bible college, they didn't tell me some of the stuff that happens in ministry, you know. They, just, they never told me about building programs and, and a lot of the pressure of that. Uh, I remember several years ago, we had these guys every Sunday picketing our church out here. Right out here at the driveway. Signs. Paul Chapel is a false prophet. Don't go to this church. You will go to hell. Literally. Visitors coming on the driveway. You're going to go to hell if you go here. It's hard to get visitors to come when that's going on. I never, I never knew about stuff like that. It scared my kids. It scared our church. That kind of made me nervous. I thought, are they going to run in here and try to do something? Or I remember having a staff meeting about it. I said, I don't know what to do. I've never, they didn't teach me in Bible college about people picketing your church every Sunday. And uh, so I said to one of the assistant pastors, I said, now I called the police. And the police said that even though we built that sidewalk and we paid for it, that they can walk on it because it's public. But I said, they don't, the sprinklers aren't public. So I said, this Sunday, I want you to turn the sprinklers on the sidewalk, and when they show up, I want you to water at the sidewalk. <laughs> but still, they slushed right through it. Paul Chapel's a false teacher. You're going to go to hell if you go to this church. I didn't know what else to do. They kept coming back. Finally, I got a hold of our youth pastor. I said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to the costume shop. I want you to get a costume of a devil. I want you to have a pitchfork. I want you to have a long tail. I want you to have horns on your head. And I want you to make a sign that says, I'm with them. <laughs> and he just followed them around just all the time like that. They got so frustrated, they left. Now, see, already that's a great reason that you came to West Coast Baptist College. You would have never known that. No one ever taught me that. No one taught me that you're going to get sometimes people write you a mean, nasty letter and they don't like something. Or There's a lot of things, and you're going to have things this semester. Someone that you thought was a friend that wasn't. I've had that even with pastors sometimes. You're going to have that maybe with finances. It's going to get tight. But what I'm trying to tell you is one of the ways we grow besides studying the Word and hearing preaching is through trials. It's through learning how to wait on God. And the fourth way you're going to grow is through prayer. 2 Timothy 1 and 3. I thank God whom I serve for my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing I've remembered thee in my prayers night and day. Pray without ceasing. Pray in the morning. Pray as you're walking to class. Just learn to talk and to abide with God. We, you know, I'm so thankful that we've had students who actually pray. I remember years ago, I was preaching in Ireland, a revival meeting, and I was excited about it because one of our students, Ashley Mitchell, was from Ireland, and this was her home church, and, and, uh, and so I was anxious to see the church. And when I got there, the people that picked me up, they said, now, Pastor Chapel, you need to know that here in Ireland, it's not like in America, so when you preach, don't expect anybody to get saved. Because that's just not how it works here. People just don't come forward and get saved. So just you know, lower the bar of expectation. And I remember Brother Montano thinking to myself, I did not fly 6,000 miles to see nobody saved. 
I'm not missing a Sunday from our church to come all the way over here to have this attitude. Well, no one's going to get saved, but, you know, we'll have a cultural exchange. That's not why I went there. And sadly, it was one of the church leaders who was saying that, and one of the men hearing that was Mr. Mitchell, whose daughter was in our college, but whose wife was not saved. And when the man said, don't expect people to get saved, Mr. Mitchell's head went down like this, because I think he wanted his wife to get saved. They took me to the hotel, and I said to them before we left, I said, why don't we have a word of prayer? Why don't we pray and ask that God might save somebody tomorrow? And we prayed. And I stood up and I preached. I'll never forget that morning. Maybe 150 people, kind of a small, kind of a warehouse thing. And as I preached on the woman at the well, it was almost like it was just me and just a few people having a conversation. The Holy Spirit moved into that service. And there was anointing upon that service so that there were no disruptions. There was complete attentiveness. God was there. And when I came to the time of giving the altar call, I said, if you're here this morning and you're not sure that you're saved and you don't know that you'd spend eternity in heaven, you've never yet been saved, then this morning I want to invite you and to come to Christ. And if you'd like to come to Christ and know him as your Savior, I'd like to have a word of prayer for you. And if you would, just allow me to pray for you by lifting your hand. And when I said that, 13 adult hands went right up in the air. And I thought... You know, something, they're not understanding me because people don't get saved over here. So I must have said something. So I said it again. Man, I just got a little more emphatic on, you, you've got to know for sure that you're a sinner. You've got to be willing to trust Christ and change your mind about yourself and turn away from the Roman Catholic Church. I just threw some stuff in there, Brother Montano, to just make it, you know, make sure I wasn't easy believism or something. I said, now, if you want Christ as your Savior, I want to pray for you. So raise your hand. 13 hands. In the back was Mr. Mitchell. He'd been recording the service. He put the camera down, and he was just weeping. One of the hands that was raised was his wife. I gave the invitation. Thirteen people came. Pastor and his wife were overwhelmed. They didn't know how to counsel that many people. Thirteen people got saved. I was walking out of the church service, and I had my phone in my pocket. It began buzzing, and I took it out of my pocket, and and it was Ashley Mitchell. And she said, did my mom get saved? And I, I texted back, yes. She said, oh, our whole dorm here at Lori Thomason got up this morning. And we've been praying for you, Pastor, since 2 o'clock this morning. That God would work in that service. You see, because these girls at West Coast were growing in Christ, and there was no rule, get up at 2 o'clock and pray. But there was a moving of God in the Lori Thomas and Dorm, and because of that, 13 people trusted Christ as their Savior. Uh, Paul said, my little children, he, he said, of whom I travail in birth again. And I want you to notice that phrase again. Sometimes you have to go back again and again. And we're, gonna, we're not going to give up on you. We're going to keep praying for you. And 
We've had students expelled from this school that we've kept writing and encouraging and praying for, and they've come back and they've graduated and they're serving God. God's grace is sufficient, and you might get some demerits. You might have a tough time here and there, but Paul said, we're going to keep travailing and travailing. We want to see you make it. We want to see every one of you walk across this platform and receive your degree, your diploma, and go out into this world and make a difference for Jesus Christ. The ministry... The pattern for ministry is Jesus. The process in ministry is discipleship and travailing and preaching and praying. But notice finally the product. What happens when you pray and preach and disciple? Notice verse 19. My little children, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. Would you say that, please? Until Christ. One more time. Until. First, there is an inward molding. Christ is formed inwardly. Your heart for God is growing. Hebrews 10, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. This speaks of a, of a growing heart, a purified heart. Romans 8, 29, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Foreknowledge, yes, God knew who would be saved. Predestination, what is that all about? It's not about God saying, you go to heaven, you go to hell. Predestination is about this. God's predetermined life, will for your life, is that you would be more like Jesus Christ. That's what God predetermined for you. God has a distinct plan for your life, that you would be like his son, Jesus Christ. John said, I have no greater joy than to know that my children walk in the truth. You see, this is the desire of the discipler. The product in ministry is that there would be an inward molding. That's why we have chapel. Because in class, you'll get the outer information, you're going to memorize statistics, you're going to learn church history. But if you've got all that information but a heart that's not tender for God, then we messed up. So there must be the inward molding. Secondly, there must be the outward manifestation. When he says, until Christ be formed in you, he knows that if there is an inward forming, there will be an outward evidence there will be love, holiness, and compassion. There will be a continuance that is seen by the lost world. The Bible says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This transformation is what we're after. And the greater our difference from the world, the greater our testimony for Christ. And, and, and the more you grow inwardly, the less the things of this world mean to you. It, it doesn't really matter what some rock star wore. It doesn't really matter what some movie star did. It doesn't really matter what some television show said. What really matters to you is what's going on in mission and who got saved and, and how's God working in this world suddenly from the inside out things are different now you'll have a very distinct outward testimony years ago we were getting ready for a special day at the church we call it we call that day open house day and it was it was during kind of a weird time before maybe some of you were even born it was a time when some preachers were fighting against each other and there were lots of mailers going back and forth. This guy's right, this guy's wrong. By the way, I'll just give you a little advice. Stay out of that kind of stuff. 
Now they have websites where they do this kind of stuff. I've never been to a website like that. I've never been to a chat room. I've never read that stuff. I don't have time to read that stuff. If I'm going to have my devotions and live for God, I can't read Christian tabloids. Can I get an amen on that? Don't waste your time on ministerial gossip. But all this stuff was coming to my office. This preacher, this preacher. And I remember, I think I was 25 or 6. And I, I thought, you know, I don't, I don't get all this stuff. How can these guys spend their offering money that people are given to try to tell me who's bad? And so I just took all of it, put it in the garbage can, and went out soul winning. I knocked on 1,000 doors that week. We didn't have a staff. We didn't have a lot of help. I think we maybe knocked 10 or 20,000 as a whole church, but I knocked 1,000 doors that week and just tried to keep the main thing the main thing, and the main thing is soul winning. And I just said, I'm not going to let this distract me. And I just tried to keep telling people about Jesus Christ. And that Sunday, for the first time in the history of our church, we had over 1,000 people in church. We had 1,041 people in church. It was so exciting. I was bouncing off the walls. We were so excited. And, you know, we had a stack of visitor's cards, just huge visitor's cards. Boy, I began to map those cards out. I'll visit these people on Monday and these people on Tuesday and these people on Saturday. And Saturday came and I... I've always been sensitive. I want to have time with my family. I want to have time for ministry. And so I said to my daughter, Danielle, I said, Danielle, come with me. We'll go visit some people, and then we'll go get a hamburger. And, and so we knocked on a door over in Palmdale. And, uh, and when we knocked on the door, you could hear the rock music just blaring. I mean, this guy was, he was into just heavy metal music. And we walked in, and we sat down, and thankfully his wife went over, and she turned the this, this stereo down. And he had framed Led Zeppelin tickets on his wall for all the concerts he'd been to. And I, I said, uh, we're sure glad you guys came to our church last week. And we visited about some things. Kind of long hair guy, had some earrings and stuff, kind of rough exterior. Turned out later, he was a professional man, engineer. I said, John, I'd like to ask you a question. If you were to die today, would you spend eternity in heaven or hell or do you know? And he said to me, I'll never forget, he said, you know, you asked that question last Sunday in church and kind of made me feel different. And he said, I've been thinking about it this week and I don't really, I don't really know where I would go when this life is over. I said, well, would you, would you let me show you from the Bible how you could know? Because 1 John 5.13 says that we can actually know that. He said, okay. By the way, when you ask people for a minute of their time to show them, most people will give you a minute of time. And you know, a few minutes later, John prayed to accept Jesus Christ as his Savior. It was such a blessing. He came to church that next Sunday morning. Uh, he came back Sunday night. He got baptized. I'll never forget standing. He was standing out in the foyer there. And I said to him, I said, now, John, you just got saved. I said, tomorrow night, I'm going to preach down in L.A. How about if I pick you up and we'll go down together? He said, you want me to go with you? I said, yeah, you come with me, and, and uh, you need to hear the hymns of our faith and hear preaching and be around Christians. And I'll never forget, I pulled up in front of his house about 5 o'clock the next afternoon, and a strange man walked out of his front door. There was a hole in his ear where there used to be an earring. There was a haircut that would pass West Coast Baptist College, not even any foo-foo on top. I had on a sport coat and trousers like this. He had on a three-piece businessman suit. He got into my car and he said, 
Hey, pastor, I, I got a new Bible today. It's the King George Version. Did I get the right one? Some of you will catch that joke second semester. It's okay. <laughs> you say, well, what was going on in his life? Like, was he going to go to West Coast or something? There wasn't even a West Coast yet. What was going on in his life was the Holy Spirit had taken up residence. And he was just beginning to sense that his life was different. One of the men in our church is a garbage driver for waste management. He came up to me. He said, Pastor, he said, you won't believe this. He said, I was uh, over in Palmdale the other day, and he said, I, I, I was putting a can up into the, into the truck, and the hydraulic thing wasn't working just right, and I had to go out there and straighten it out. And he said, the whole can was full of Led Zeppelin records. How about that? I said, was it this address and this street? Yeah, that's the address. How'd you know? I said, because somebody just got saved who lives in that house. Wonder what you need to throw away today. I don't have time to go through the list. What do you got in your trunk? What do you got in your heart? What is it that's hindering you from becoming like Jesus Christ? Because when people get saved, they say, hey, anything that's going to slow me down from knowing the Lord, I'd, it's got to go. Because I want to know him. When that inward work starts, it becomes very obvious outwardly. The pattern is Jesus. The process is discipleship. And the product changed lives for the glory of God.